Hello and welcome to the Monarchium Performance Podcast. I'm your host, John Sillis. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Joe Warwick. Joe Warwick is an experienced strength and conditioning coach, having previously worked in the academy system at London Wasp Rugby Club, before being appointed as the head of strength and conditioning for Chelsea FC women's team. Looking for a new challenge, Joe transitioned into a career as a firefighter at the London Fire Brigade. In addition to working as a full-time firefighter, Joe is also a student at the University College London, where he's undertaken a master's in sport, health and exercise medicine, where he's also engaged in key research with first responder organisations. In this episode, Joe talks about his experience of moving from performance sport to the London Fire Brigade, his thoughts on physical demands placed on firefighters and how to train for this, the current training practices within British firefighters, and his key advice to manage and train for anyone involved in the British Fire Service. Good evening, Joe, and welcome to the podcast, bud. Hey, evening, John. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to come down and chat to me, bud. Um, obviously, having the chance to sit down and talk to you a little bit off air, I think you've got a really good background coming from the SNC into the fire service and really looking forward to getting your views on just some of the training stuff as well with regards to the guys who are currently serving within the British uh, fire service as well. So for anyone who you know hasn't come across you, Joe, and like some of your background within SNC, you just give us... Uh, a little bit of history around you know where did you start out your career and where you're currently at yeah so um well i, I studied strength and conditioning science at um st mary's university in swickenham uh, graduated from there in 2015 but i was working at london wasps the whole time um as a strength and conditioning coach in the academy under uh, tom farrow ian taplin um nick chad and uh, dan houser in the first team uh, Ryan Hicks was the head of the academy when I was there and then uh, Tappers come down and Tom come down from the first team to the academy so I was there for a couple of years um, and then when I graduated I went over to Chelsea Football Club because Wash moved to Coventry and um, there was no way I was going to do that and they didn't really offer me much of a um, an incentive to go with them um, so I applied for a job over at Chelsea for the boys academy doing a movement and conditioning role um, didn't get it, but got um, got to the final stage of the interview, and then just messaged them back and asked for some feedback and said, um, you know, what what can I do to get the job basically? And they went, oh yeah, you know, good to hear from you. Good to hear, you know, how uh, kind of how much interest I put into it. You know, how much I really wanted to go over there because it was it was about diversifying my CV. Um, and then I, I said to them, I'll come in. I'll do anything. I'll spend some time shadowing, whatever. And then they went, okay, come in. And I went in and they offered me the head SNC job for the women's team. Um, so slightly different. Um, didn't apply for that role, literally just from off, off of me asking them, can I come and spend some time with you? Went in for a morning and then, yeah, they offered me that, which was pretty cool. And then I spent just um, no, exactly four years. So exactly four years with them. Um, we, we, I was fortunate enough to be... Um, be there when they won the double twice at so the FA Cup at Wembley, um, twice, won the league twice, uh, won the Spring Series, uh, Performance Medal Team of the Year for 2017 and 2018, and got to the semi-final of the Champions League twice, which is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. So, where, where are you currently at now? So, uh, I know you've, you've made the move into the fire service. Uh, when when yeah. did that come about? So, we... Strength and conditioning in sport is is a very fickle and, and hard job. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved it. I'm not going to lie, I really did. But then my priorities changed when when we had a um, our baby boy like Alex, um, and he's now two and a half. 
and we've got little Emmy as well. She's she's one in a couple of weeks. Um, but when we had him, uh, I couldn't keep working six seven days a week, traveling. You know, it was it was brilliant doing everything we did, but with the job comes a lot of travel, a lot of time away, a lot of sitting up waiting for to have data scientists underneath me who I had to wait for him to process the data so I could then email it to national teams. So some days I wouldn't finish work. Um, even though I got home, I wouldn't actually finish work till like two, three in the morning because I had to wait for that whole process and then send everything out for national teams and before camp. So yeah, and then, then you'd be expected to be up at five or six next morning and go in and train those that weren't on international duty. So yeah, to, as much as I love sport, um, it took uh, massively took over my life and my priorities changed. So yeah, applied um, when he was a couple of months old, applied for the London Fire Brigade because it was, for me, I've got a few friends that are firefighters. My granddad was a firefighter as well. And for me, it offered the perfect work-life balance. Um, you know, the four on, four off, paid holiday. The salary was about the same. Um, I initially had to take uh, a hit um, whilst on training and development but um you know it's 18 month development and it's it's not really that that major a hit um and then once you come off your development and you are competent the, the salary's like 37 grand so most snc jobs don't pay that um so yeah so that's that's how it how it come about really um so yeah i'm firefighter in the in the london fire brigade now and got my own little Bit on the like business on the side, just doing strength and conditioning PT, still with um, youth uh, rugby players and um, a few like, private clients. Now, obviously, making that move away from sport and moving into London Fire Brigade, there, how did you find that transition? Obviously, being an SNC coach, you've got a pretty solid training background behind you. You know, did that sound in good stead? You know, when you made that move over into the Fire Brigade, yeah, so I think. I think you're getting more and more applicants that have um, uh, degrees that are graduates now, um, slightly more experienced. Uh, when you speak to, when you like, sorry, when you look at my cohort that come through, everyone was, everyone by one was like late twenties, early thirties, and had a fair amount of experience in life. <laughs> um, you know, whether they had degrees or whether there was management jobs or stuff like that. We had one guy who was an optician. Um, one guy was in the artillery commandos and stuff like that you know so you real good mix of people coming through so i do think it's standing me in good stead i think if i'd have gone in when i was 18 um it wouldn't have helped uh, i would have been far too immature for the role mm-hmm. um when you look at the, the way we have to complete an apprenticeship now when you look at the way that that's kind of structured definitely having studied as a mature student i knew how i studied i knew how i learned so yeah it helped an awful lot um, made training a lot a lot easier some people really struggle because during training it's it's a small period of training it's only 11 weeks you do seven weeks at home and then you do 11 weeks um around london and at different stations different training venues and um you do an exam every week for the first four weeks and then you do an exam every two weeks sorry two exams a week after week four so it's it's a lot of hammering theory as well as the practical side of things um physically because I was working so much, I didn't really look after myself as an SNC coach. I was kind of in the worst shape I'd ever been when I started. Um, and that's not great, but, you know, uh, the training was progressive and I knew how to manage my time and knew how to manage my body. So I've developed and grew over that. I, 
I did I, my my sports are jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and, and rugby. So I I did compete in wrestling a few years ago whilst at Chelsea as well. So I did manage to get a bit of training in. Took a bit of a break from the work, get the training in, and build a base level. But yeah, I think I think the trans the academic side of things, the transition was easy. I think going from a head SNC role um, with staff under you and kind of calling the shots and not having to do everything to all of a sudden be in the uh, the T-boy again was was kind of difficult at first, um, you know, but you just embrace it. It's, it's good fun. You know, you're walking around the station and your watch will be like, you know, would, would you rest the golf ball on? You're like, oh, no, not again. Yeah, a cup of tea, I'll go make it. And you, Or start a shift, start start duty, whatever it is. You just go home and make it like a cup of tea. You, you know, that, that is what it is. It's not mm-hmm. difficult in that sense. It's, it's actually good fun. And the banter is brilliant as well. Going from working in an all-female to an all-male environment, that was the hardest transition. Because I was going to ask, what was the culture like? You know, when you made that shift from Chelsea over into the fire brigade. Yeah, it's it's good. It's really good fun. It's I think I forget how much um, how much more reserved I was when I was at Chelsea with regards to just kind of like acting up, being a bit of a just having a bit of fun, you know, because you're in that high pressure environment all the time and everything's always about winning all the time. Whereas around the mess table, it can be a lot less, it can be a lot more relaxed. Yeah. Um, you can have some good conversations about a lot of different things. And, and no matter like my, my officers um, are fantastic and they'll talk to us about anything and we'll have really good conversations and everyone that on this table is brilliant. You've got all different levels of intellect around the table um, loads of different experience, people that have, got incredible side businesses people that have you know studied or their children of phds in quantum physics and things like that and you're like what like you know it's, it's a real diverse table it's brilliant um and then yeah you just you know whereas when you're at chelsea you, you or when i was at chelsea you get wrapped in that little sports bubble yeah. and you think everything revolves around that and nothing else and you do it but you you are very on edge because if you say or do something and someone's not happy or whatever then you're throwing your job down the line for what you said whereas yeah you can be a lot more relaxed obviously you're not taking a mick out of anyone or being distasteful or anything like that but it is it's, it's definitely more relaxed coming from an snc background and you know making that transition into the fire brigade and going through the training and experience now like the demands that are placed on firefighters and I know you, you're starting to do a bit more research with regards to your master's degree into these sort of things as well. What, what What's your thoughts around, like, you know, what are the, the physical demands placed on, you know, firefighters and, you know, appropriately training for this? Yeah, so this is a really tough question to, to ask. I had a really good think about it because um, day to day, most of your tasks require minimal effort. You know, inventories and safety checks and when you're doing community work and stuff like that you know you, you don't need a high level of fitness for any of that um but then you might get called so we, we had an incident it was a, a young girl that was embedded on a, on a fence on a spiked fence and we got there and it was me and a couple of other firefighters and you're holding her up whilst you know you're doing an isometric contraction biceps arms everything just isometrically holding this poor girl and you're stiff as a board just standing there the whole time and not allowing her to move whilst the paramedics and doctors are doing their work ready to to take her off you know so from doing nothing all day to going and doing that you can't kind of ready your body for it it just kind of happens but i think 
one of the biggest things I think, and this is probably what you was going to allude on to, is is the way that you actually train um, yourself as a firefighter. So when when we're on duty, we've actually got it in our policy that we get a set amount of training time per shift. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and and our watch managers are expected to put it in our diaries to give us time to train. Now, everyone has their own different training goals and approaches. I think one of the biggest things with um, with this country is we don't have any kind of research or knowledge base like the Americans do, um, you know, with their tactical strength and conditioning facilitators and stuff like that with the NSCS. Um, so um, I think, oh, sorry, the NSCA, I think our, a lot of our firefighters are personal trainers or crossfitters or jiu-jitsu um athletes i've met a lot of guys that do jiu-jitsu um but then they're normally told and this is like goes back to traditional training you train like a bodybuilder you know reps level three personal trainer is only really taught to train like a bodybuilder yeah and um, they don't understand looking at physiological responses and stuff like that so um and our watch managers and things they're not actually given any guidance as to how to train anyone so some some are really enthusiastic and some will do circuits with their staff or with their with their watch or they'll do like tower runs and things like that which are really cool um or even run like relevant relays where they're carrying different bits of kit across um 20 meters or whatever you know which is like a, a work-related fitness test that the lfb do um some of the guys do that but you know you you then question well time and place equipment is it right to do what's going on in a day you know what's the day been like and None, none of them have that thought in their head. They just go, no, we're just doing it. To do it. We're, we're going to do it. And you're like, right, okay. So what happens now is if you was maximally effort, you know, hammering yourself for tower runs, you did 30 tower runs, and then you get sent to a high-rise job. And they yeah. go, oh, yeah. You know, so it's a really tough question. Um, when you're on training, they they do give you – they used to do it a lot harder than, than they do now. They do give you a fair good old beasting when you're doing palms, ladders, and – um, drilling certain um, certain exercises and drills and stuff like that, learning how to fire up ladders is uh, good fun, uh, especially with the, the 135, which is like the 100 kilo foot four person ladder, which is, is good fun. You throw up eight or nine of those a day, you soon feel it. But um, once you're on station, yeah, training is kind of left to your own devices a little bit. And like I, like I alluded to as well, if your watch manager is told that you can train, but doesn't know how to um that doesn't really help so it, it can there's there's a huge amount of scope here to to make massive improvements within in the british fire brigade and and you know, especially with like the lfb um you know i think i personally think that it's going to have to and it is making the right steps because they're doing some tests on the physiological outputs um mm -hmm. of firefighting in high rising uh high rise buildings and incidents at, at the moment with, with Bath University um, they're going to have to because it will reduce that like they have to reduce bills so it will reduce sickness bills um, you know and things like that and and they want firefighters to to retire older so they, they're asking for firefighters to serve till they're to 60 minimum now um, you know it used to be 15 and it was 55 now it's 60 you know the body will age and you need to be able to train that individual to last that long so um, condition them for their job really um, i hope that answers a fair bit of your question yeah yeah that's awesome john i mean 
from my perspective, I've met a number of boys who are in the, the fire service uh, at JITS as well, just enrolling and then just getting chance to them as well. So it's like, you know, how do you guys train not only for yourselves, but for your job? And most of them, it is just JITS or going and doing some bodybuilding style of training. It's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to hit chest there or back tomorrow. It's just like, yeah. well, yeah, great on one side because you're, you're, getting, you're getting some lifting done, but really what's the carryover to, you know, hiking through? Like in the worst case scenario, like, either yeah. dragging a body out or you know throwing up that ladder multiple times through the day you know yeah yeah definitely and i think unfortunately um health and safety does dictate a lot of what they can do um we do like when we do um breathing apparatus drills we'll have um dummy casualties and the maximum weight they will allow anyone to to have as that dummy casualty is 70 kilos um and that's normally a two-person like uh, evacuation i suppose um and when it's wet it weighs a bit more but but because of health and safety rules and regulations everyone's scared that someone's going to get hurt whilst doing training or drill you know they won't allow them to have a bigger casualty or bigger dummy than that mm-hmm. and then that becomes quite unrealistic because if you're in a job and i haven't fortunately had a job where i've had to pull anyone out yet like that but if you're in a job and there's they're over 70 kilos you know are you going to be able to do it you know, that's interesting, the 70 kilo dummy. And I mean, just as a rough guide for the you know the people on your watch, what do you say is the, the average body weight kilos wise for most of the guys and then throwing gear on top of that. So, so you had to pull mm. one of your buddies out, you know, I'm guessing it's going to be a fair bit more than 70. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, I think the average probably is around about 85, 90 kilos. Um, some of the more senior firefighters, you know, very old school were like, recruited when it was you know you had to be six foot plus and and you know have a certain amount of lean body mass and stuff like that so they're all big fellas yeah um and yeah you had 15 kilos worth of breathing apparatus and your boots and all your ppe it's a fair chunk of weight um probably looking yeah somewhere closer to an additional 20 kilos on someone so 120 kilos of dragging out your own oppo um and that's just a standard bod you know, that's, that's pretty mad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're only training with 70. So with regards to the training then for your for your own self then, you know, obviously there's a lot of challenges around for the guys in the fire service training. Has your training changed compared to, you know, back when you were SNC coach working with Wasps or with Chelsea? And then how do you manage your training now? So, yeah, this, again, I, I, I don't like training when I'm on duty. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer to train before. Um, I will, I, I'm quite, I, again, I do jiu-jitsu and wrestling as well, so I try, well, not at the moment, but I do try and squeeze that in when I can. Um, that's normally after because that, I'm normally so tired after following around with some of those guys that I couldn't go on to duty. Yeah. Um, but I keep my, my cardiac, I, I, I train a lot lower intensity, like cardiac output conditioning instead of hammering hit sessions and stuff because I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to build uh, tissue conditioning because I want to go and run a, uh, marathon over the Breckens to raise some money next year. So um, I'm trying to build up the volume for that. So personally, I focus more on that. Um, I'm still training like max effort strength work to maintain my strength because I'm going to be running it with a 15 kilo Bergen. So I don't want to be dropping too much strength. But um, I think if I was to do hit training or bodybuilding training, I think I'd be far too tired through the shift because like I say, sometimes 
you get called to stuff and you don't know what's going on. You don't know what you're getting called to. You get there and you're holding a, a 14 year old girl for 20 minutes, you know, in a bicep curl position, essentially, because you're on one side of the fence, she's on the other and, and she's got the, you're, you're at the only point where you can support her. Um, or if you get called to a high-rise job, you're expected to, if you're the first appliance there, you're expected to have a certain amount of kit on your back, on your shoulders, um, breathing apparatus on, all your fire gear on, a couple of hoses over your shoulders, and you're expected to be running up to two floors below where the fire is. So it could be, potentially be on the 10th, 11th, 12th floor, wherever, you know. So mm -hmm. if I was doing like hit training, hard work, really high intensity training stuff, I think I would I'd feel too tired on my shift. Um, but having kept my uh, conditioning up through mostly doing cardiac output type stuff or tempo running and things like that, I feel like I've maintained my, my body weight, my, my uh, reduced my <laughs> body fat, maintained my body weight, stay quite lean, stay quite strong, and, and I feel good, you know, when I'm doing it. Whereas you see other people just look knackered. Um, but it's it's understanding that sometimes a little bit less goes a long way you know I'm, i've always been quite a big fan of um kind of minimal dosing do the least amount you possibly have to do to get the most bang for your buck so i'd always uh, you know i don't need to teach you how to, to suck eggs but i'd always be doing like big compound lifts and, and plyos and ballistics and sprints over anything like crossfitty um, and that would just smash not that there's anything wrong with crossfit um it's just normally the way it's it's coached isn't it you know with the wads and stuff like that everything being high intensity all the time um you know how a 50 kilo 300 snatches or something like that it's like yeah that's not what you're supposed to do with it but um yeah for me i think just having a little bit of structure training before my shift so that i can just do what i have to do on shift and sometimes it's quite nice you actually get like half hour in the afternoon or evening where you can just sit down for a little bit so <laughs> Whereas everyone else is then in the gym and I'm, I'm not. I'm like, no, I'm done for the day, thanks. And that's interesting to hear because I know from, like, you know yourself with regards to training, a lot of guys like the, the hard, high-intensity sort of thing just because it sucks and it's like almost that badge of honour of like, oh, well, you know, I trained harder than you today sort of thing. And it's just mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's great, but you can't redline every day. Otherwise, you just run yourself into the ground. And I think there's a lot to be said about that lower-intensity sort of uh, base building work for you as well you know and just being smart about it um i just want to follow up with that then joe just if anyone's listening you know is there any other boys listening who are from the fire service and you know are starting to reevaluate their training and stuff what would be your general guidelines then so say they train more of a crossfit or bodybuilding style what would be your recommendations around it because obviously taking into account that that four on four off um you know rotation you guys do general advice would be um listen to your body if it's if you like you can do it and i say this quite you can do any training that you feel is is relevant or you feel you need to do go and speak to a, a professional strength conditioning coach or something like that first and and have a good chat but i'd say listen to your body first and foremost if you're tired do something very like low intensity cardiac output something like that don't do nothing um get on a bike flush your legs do you know 25 minutes of um just yeah cardiac output just giving your heart rate as low as possible because that's conditioning that is conditioning and in its simplest form it is aerobic conditioning and it will only make you better um but yeah my, my first 
bit of advice would be listen to your listen to your body. If you're tired, rest. If you feel good, push a little bit. Um, my next bit of advice would be try and train a little bit more like an athlete instead of a bodybuilder. So compound lifts, uh, French contrast, where you're super setting up with um, like explosive movements. Like you know, we're talking about not training too hard, but train smart. You know, if, if you're going to train hard, train smart. Don't just train hard for the sake of training hard. Um, do it, do it properly. <laughs> um, squats and jumps are always good. Um, but yeah, don't go, in, don't walk into the gym feeling like every time you go into the gym, you have to come out of there absolutely dripping with sweat. Um, sometimes the best sessions I've ever done were where, where I didn't, and it's made it's set the rest of the day up lovely for me. Um, other times I've had to go in there and I felt frustrated and I've had to work hard because of external stresses and things. So yeah, that's that's me listening to my body and regulating in that sense. Um, if you want to follow a specific strict program, I'd read up something like Brian Mann's ARP, uh, APRE stuff um, and like the bodybuilding, uh, not the bodybuilding, sorry, the powerlifting side of the APRE because he used it with high school um, like footballers. And I think that's brilliant in, in a really, it's just a nice structure for a program, a really simplistic way to do mm -hmm. it. Um, and I think that could work really well because that kind of, you force yourself to listen to your body then you have got structure to turn around and go actually i can't do what i did last week so i need to do a little bit less you know so i think that's probably one of the one of the programs i would say would work really well um for, for a firefighter seven firefighter um or police officer even an apre type program if you've got lots of kit you can use like the velocity based stuff, can't you? Velocity based training and mm -hmm. monitor it through that. But I don't think most stations will have any kind of kit. I've read uh, some of Brian's stuff around APRE, and I think it's you know it's really good. And I think for this population group of like you know first responders is a, a decent one. I quite like other programs like you know five three one just because it's got that built in APRE yeah. sort of stuff there as well. Like you you hit your uh, open set for your last set and you can even go balls to the wall if you're feeling like it or you can just hit your prescribed rep and get out you know i quite like yeah. the fact it's nine percent as well everything's calculated off of so it's got that built yeah. in so you're not yeah. getting fried every time but yeah definitely yeah because first like point i really like there as well Joe, just listening to your body and i think that comes a little bit more with age and experience as well like i know looking back now at 35 to when i was 25 you know it would be all right, I'm squatting today. It's got in the program. Today's squats. I feel like I've been hit by a train, but the program says I'm squatting, so I'm squatting. And I would have yeah. like sometimes a lousy as hell session. Whereas yeah. now I'm like, right, cool. I'm feeling fairly smashed up. I'll delay that session for 24 hours, 48 hours, come back in and actually get a lot more out of that session and just, you know, swap things around. So, but like I say, I think that comes a bit more of experience and a bit of age, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, Dan Howes once said when I was when I was at Wash like intern there, he said always plan in pencil. And yeah. at first I was like, you know, what what does he really mean by that? But you have a plan, but it doesn't mean because it's written on paper you have to stick to it. You know, you you can rub things out, you can change things because life does change, and you need to be able to adapt. Um, if you're not sure of how to plan in pencil and adapt and overcome, then you need to speak to someone that is to help you do that. Um, you know, and and there are so many SNC coaches out there that are so willing to help. Um, you know, you, you just have to reach out to some of them on Instagram and just ask questions and they will, they'll jump on it and they will talk to you. So, so yeah, I, I definitely would do that. And um, planning in pencil. Yeah. Just cause it says you've got it. 
got to do it on this day doesn't mean you have to do it on that day. You know, you can just manipulate as you go. Um, but that's one thing I always, always used to do at Chelsea. Like we'd have meetings every single morning about the players going into the day, and and it was always about well, we had a goal, we had a phase goal, we had everything planned through the week, the month, what we kind of expected, and and up to certain points of of the year um, because then when it comes to cup games you never know what's going to happen so you can't have like 15 periodized plans um, but we would have every single day daily meetings with regards to um, what the players like kind of what we were looking at wellness objectively and then and then all the data we was pulling in and we were planning pencil we would adapt every day for them as, as we went with you know players being pulled from sessions or doing extras or doing less or doing more or whatever you know so I think you can take that um, from uh, elite level sport and bring it to yourself quite simply by yeah, listening to your body and planning in pencil, having an option B and an option C. Now, obviously being an S&C coach, I know you, you do a lot of reading. You've men mentioned already some good resources there with regards to the programme side of things as well. So I'm just curious, as I always have with every guest, of what you're involved in for your own CPD. So on yeah. that, Joe, could you just give us a book, an app, or a website recommendation that you found useful for your own education or your own development? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's been a few. So when I was a student, I, I really liked um, Ben Goldacre's Bad Science because that taught me how to critically appraise. It's a really basic one um, as a book. Um, but then when I wasn't studying as much, I just started reading all sorts of stuff. So what actually taught me um, a lot more about kind of life and my understanding of it was um, a book called um, When Breath Becomes Air. Let me just get the author's name. It, oh, I can't pronounce that, I'm afraid. So When <laughs> Breath Becomes Air, um, I don't want to do him a disservice. He is a uh, neurosurgeon who talks about his memoir. He starts off talking about his memoirs going through, you know, um, his life experiences, training, education, everything. And then he ends up dying from an, a rare illness that he's been working with patients to try and um, treat the whole time. And his wife finishes the book. And as an actual book, that taught me a lot about, um, about just life and myself, really, and my understanding of you can't, you can't, you can't always know what's going to happen. Like this guy spent his whole life educating himself to helping people that actually a disease that, that got him, you know, he was educating himself to, to try and help these people and cure this and remove this from, from people. And it got him before he even was in his mid thirties. Um, so you just have no idea what's going on. And you always think of doctors as being superhuman and this kind of thing don't happen to them. You know, they're so clever. They know how to treat everything. And, and I read it and I was just like, wow, that, that's a real eye opener. Um, and then an app, I know you're probably going to say, you're offering too much stuff here. Um, but for working at Chelsea, uh, we got an app called um, Fit Our Woman um, by the Oroco guys, um, Dr. Georgie Broomvels. Um, and it was about understanding and educating female athletes around the menstrual cycle. Um, so as, a, as an app, that was incredible because it gave, when it, we basically were one of the first teams to kind of pilot it after uh, Celtic, I think. And um, it gave lots of education around kind of what to manipulate in your nutrition and your training at certain phases of your cycle and they was able to monitor that so as an app for female athletes that was incredible because they've got a coaching version of the app as well where you can have the whole team on there and that really did teach us a lot 
um, website, um, rugbystrengthcoach.com. Um, yeah, cute. Yeah, That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That is as a as a website for anyone. You can sign up for a dollar, I think it is, or something like that. Um, yeah, you learn a lot from those guys, and they, there's loads of resources on there, like more than I could ever get through. Um, Awesome. That is awesome, Joe. Thank you very much, mate. I think you're the first guest who's given us all three bang through, mate. That's decent, though. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. No worries. Um, Obviously, it's been great chatting to you, Joe, and like hearing your story and, you know, getting insight into some of the work um, that you've done and, you know, your experience within the fire brigade. For anyone who's been listening to this and wants to find out a bit more about you or get in touch with you, you know, what's the best ways they can do that? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and um, Twitter. I'm not very active on Twitter, um, and my handle on all three is at CP Perform UK. Um, uh, so yeah, just grab that, get get through there, send me a message, and I'll reply. I'm normally pretty active on the Facebook and, and Instagram. I very rarely go on Twitter. Um, that's probably the best way to get through. Um, um, yeah, I think I'd, you could email me, but uh, you get a much slower response. Um, so yeah, go through social media. Sweet. No worries. So I'll make sure I'll pop them and um, all those recommendations you give us as well into our show notes. So anyone who's thank looking you. for even easy again, touch your bud. Uh, Joe, Cheers. once again, thank you very much, mate, for taking time out of your busy schedule and sitting down and chatting to me, but really appreciate it. No, I appreciate it, John. Thanks for your time as well. Hi, guys. Really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Monarch Human Performance Podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for your continued support to the show. We're slowly growing each week and getting more and more downloads, which is truly incredible for such a niche-specific podcast. To continue supporting us, can I ask you to do me a simple favor. To share the show, please take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and put it in your stories on Instagram, and make sure you tag me in it. First of all, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're using so you can receive each new episode as soon as it's released. Secondly, if you found something educational, if it made you see a different perspective, or if you took something away from this podcast that made you better, please leave us a review as it means a lot to me and please share the show. Either tag me at Coach John P or at Monarchium Performance and I will reshare it. This will help us to grow the show and really get this information out to a lot more people.